0: so this series that we're gonna and what we want to do is kind of take a different approach this is this is kind of going to be more like teaching and because we want to it's kind of like we want to show you what the Word says about some things. Um, we feel that the Word can say it much better than we can. And so this is kind of, this is almost a little interactive. This is like, if you want to take some notes, this series is where you want to take notes through, because we are really praying for you, uh, for our church, to find uh, to find freedom. And so that's what, that's what we're going to focus on this month, and I'm excited about it. So let's give you a little bit about what this series is going to be about. When we say living free, that's the name of the series, what we're talking about is discovering the freedom that comes through grace and truth. And that's what we're going to be unpacking, uh, unpacking the theology of grace and truth. What does that mean? And what does it mean for us? And so let's kind of walk this through. uh, And this is going to be pretty much what we're going to be talking about this whole month, the whole rest of the month of, of living free. So what we want to talk about is this. Freedom comes through God-sent relationships. Freedom comes through God-sent relationships. You do know there are some relationships that we can get in mm-hmm. that God didn't send those people to us, right? Mm-hmm. Anybody testify to that? Mm-hmm. I know a lot of sisters in the room can testify to that. <laughs> that God did not send you that brother, okay? Yes. Don't put that on him.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, but that comes from freedom, right? Not having the fear, not really knowing enough of yourself, knowing and have that healing that a lot of times we choose or we attach the wrong people because the enemy can send some people to us too, right? So, but freedom comes through God sent relationships. Freedom comes through relationships. It doesn't just <coughs> come magically, just randomly. It comes actually through relationships. And so what we want to establish is that if that's the truth, then pain thrives when we think we don't need anyone. It's not the opposite of just having a bad relationship. It's actually in the place where you say or you think, I don't need anybody. Because you could actually have God-sent relationships in your life. But you just feel like, eh, I'm good. I don't need anybody. I got this. I can handle this. I'm good. So here's the question uh, we want to raise is... What would change if you allowed God sent people into your life? What would change? What would be different about your life? If you actually allowed the people God sent you into your life, what would be different? What would change? What would change about that? So when we say living free, we're talking about living without limits. That's what we're going to start with today. Because when you have freedom, you're really living without limits. And it's interesting because the world teaches kind of a false uh, sense of what that means, and we'll talk a little bit about that. In fact, uh, the world teaches that the less you need people, the more free you are. Like, they would teach independence is, I can handle this, I don't need anybody. That's not actually the way uh, God has made us and the way um, he has built us. And so we're talking about grace and truth. I'll we'll put these two <laughs> words up here for you. Grace and truth. What we'll try to do is establish this language for you. What, what does grace mean? And What does truth mean? Talk about truth. Good morning, honey, by the way.
1: Good afternoon.
0: Oh, yes, yeah, afternoon. I always think it's morning. This church. <laughs> I haven't made that switch yet. We're talking about truth. Um, unpack that a little bit for us. <clears throat> truth, basically, how
1: you can summon so, I would say truth is seeing clearly and allowing God to show you something clearly even when what you're seeing might be messy and painful so it's saying okay God I'm kind of living my life not really trying to pay attention to the reality so I'm going day to day but stopping yourself and allowing God to show you okay this is the truth about And it's
0: really in accordance with who God is. That's awesome. And then we talk about grace, uh, and this really comes from the biblical definition, um, and that is is to really the the biblical definition is to lean toward, to lean toward, or to show favor. So grace would be uh, God leaning toward us to show us favor, to give us a gift coming in our direction. It's not something that we chase. It's literally something that's chasing us. It's God leaning forward, leaning towards us, leaning in our direction. Uh, and that's what it means uh, to have grace, to have favor. It's something that we don't earn. It's really something we don't deserve, absolutely don't deserve. We deserve something else, but we get something different. So God, in his love, and who he is, says, you need this, and I'm going to bring it to you. A lot of times you need it before you even ask for it. A lot of times we experience grace and we didn't even know it was grace. Mm-hmm. We thought it was luck. We thought it was our credit score. Mm-hmm. We thought it was our good looks, our sharp tongue. No, that was actually grace. That was actually grace. And that was actually God's fingerprint all over that. Now, there's some scriptures we are going to unpack. And uh, there's one here in Romans Chapter five, verse twenty through twenty-one. So this is a, a scripture we're going to come back to for the rest of the series. So why don't you find that with us if you want in uh, in your Bible, your device? It'll be on the screen. But again, this is a good this is a good note taking series. Want me to read it. Yeah.
1: God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more. God's wonderful grace became more abundant.
0: So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules. In other words, God's grace is in charge. The way sin used to be in charge of your life, now God's grace is in charge. It's a shift of leadership, giving us the right standing with God resulting in eternal life through Jesus our Lord. So grace comes through who? Yeah, that's always a good answer if somebody asks you a question.
1: Just
0: say Jesus, right? Body question. Jesus! It's true. So through him, right, grace now becomes in charge. The same way sin was in charge, right? Sin was in charge, man, You know, you ever been just like, just be honest here, like you didn't want to do something and you don't know why you did it, like you don't know why you cussed, you don't know why you had more drinks than you, like you just don't know what happens, it's like it's just so, it's just there, it doesn't take much, a song, a look, 36, 24, 36, she's 5'3", that's all it takes, just like that, you didn't mean to, it's just there, that's the way sin rules, Rules, grace rules, it just takes over, it just says, I'm in charge, and now we're going to take over. You, you have another uh, a version of this that I think is so brilliant that you found this, this other translation. Yeah, this is in the message translation. And I like the way that it described
1: grace. It says, all that passing laws against sin did was produce more lawbreakers. But sin didn't and doesn't have a chance in competition with the aggressive forgiveness we call grace. Amen. Aggressive
0: forgiveness we call grace. When it's sin versus grace... Grace wins, hand down, hands down. And I'll tell you what, for those especially with, a, uh, with an Adventist background, this, when you start talking about grace, and you start talking about law, it makes some people really queasy. It gets a little uncomfortable because it sounds, it sounds too, too nice. Mm-hmm. right? God, God sounds too nice. What do you mean that grace is aggressive? Let, let's let me show you this passage. Let's go to First um, John chapter one, verse fourteen. I'm going to read this in the NIV version. The Bible says this: "The Word became flesh. Who is the Word? You see capital letters here. Here's your answer right here, right? Jesus. Okay, good. Easy answer. <laughs> the Word became flesh. His dw- and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory." the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Y'all quiet today. Right? Let's go back. So so the Word of God, this is the pre-carnate, this is the pre-human divine Jesus. That Jesus the the Trinity Jesus, that one. Before he actually came into human flesh. That's like compressing God into a small file. Mm-hmm. That's like I don't know how I don't know who's who are digital people, like I don't know how many gigs that is. Compressed into like this. It's fully God coming through flesh, right? Mm-hmm. And then making his dwelling among us. So you see that he's coming closer and closer and closer the big guy the creator of the universe packaging himself into human flesh and then not just being here and being like I'm just gonna hide out somewhere nobody ever knows I came right I'm just Jesus didn't just come nobody knew he was here fell on a rock died died for us shot back to heaven it was done like he didn't do that he came among us to us in proximity. And it's saying we've seen his glory. So this, we've witnessed his glory. The the one and only son who came from the father. So we know that Jesus is the reflection of who God is. So what he brought is, he was full. Here's the characteristics of Jesus. Full of grace and truth. The capacity of heaven in one person, in Jesus, in the flesh, who was full of it, the highest capacity that could be of grace and truth. See, grace and truth are connected. And as that other text said, grace is aggressive. So just like truth is pursuing you, because truth is the reality, right? And you can only run so far from reality. Like you just... You just can't. At, at some point, you're gonna have to face reality because reality is coming, and it's coming fast. And it's it's running like an defensive lineman. It's running after you, sack you. It's called age. Anybody <laughs> <or anything laughs> about age? It's coming, yeah. Yeah. right? You you can go out and party every night, but eventually, anybody can testify. Man. Reality, you don't have to pay for that.
1: <laughs>
0: you gonna have to pay. And so it's coming. The reality, the truth about who you are, whatever that pain was, whatever that hurt was, it's coming. And But here's what I love about it. Grace is coming too. Amen. Yeah. yeah. Because the more truth you, you get, the more grace you need. It's equal. So the more truth God gives you, like the other text said, the law shows us how sinful we are. So some people would say, well, grace, we don't need the law. That's not biblical. We actually need more grace because of the law. So a bigger mirror means you need more makeup. You know, like the mirror that can get real close but oh, yeah, you got a whole bunch of bumps all up in there. It shows your imperfections, right? Which means you need, so the more, tr- so I was teasing about this. Okay, maybe I should, this was in my notes. I'm going to say it anyway because I think it's funny. I think it's funny. Have you ever looked at yourself in the mirror from behind? Yes. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Like, I mean, because that that's a whole different perspective of how good you look. That puts you in the gym for real. Because that's yes. it. Don't look like it looks from the front. It just don't look that good from the back. You see, all, so that's what the law does. The law's like, oh yeah, you look good when you come to church. Let's let's flip that around. <laughs> let's see your behind, right? okay I think you got it so Jesus was full of grace and truth he was full of it so there was nothing you could hide from him because he's full of truth can't lie to him can't lie to Jesus Jesus, I was just no. You can't lie to Him. He knows, right? But then there's nothing too hard for Him to not bring grace and forgiveness for. Because really, grace is forgiveness. So think about that, the fullness of it. So, so when you talk about living without limits, see when you when you understand the truth of who you are, right? And you have the grace to go with it, it actually gives you more freedom. Because there's certain places I can go and I'm not tripped up. Mm-hmm. 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 There's certain things God can give me and it's not going to mess me up. So if God says, I'm going to drop you a million dollars tomorrow, I know what to do with it. Ask me that 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I look like, what are <laughs> those guys? Three Migos, Migos and I've been all like that, right? I've messed <laughs> up. I'm in mean, a pastor. Oh, we what, just
1: what's up? the new guy? Oh. Little
0: Pump? Yeah, Little, little Pump. You <laughs> My kids even know who that is. Yeah. Anyway, I don't think I look like a Little Pump. It's crazy, anyway. <laughs> Bless him, no, somebody please invite him to our church, invite him to watch us online. So, so we're gonna talk about some areas when we unpack this series, so today we wanna to talk about this. Um, why don't you introduce what, when, uh, this was your partner.
1: Okay. <laughs> So we're going to talk today about shame, and um, I would define shame as a feeling of pain, humiliation, distress um, that is caused by either a conscious, um, foolish behavior that you did. Right. So um, you would feel inadequate, uh, humiliated. I already said. Um, then the natural response to shame, like he was talking about is actually to cover mm-hmm. so you want to hide or you want to isolate yourself, you want to cover up what it is and you don't want anyone to know, it's more um, I think it's a silent killer of relationships because it's really you're in shame about being shame mm-hmm. so you don't want anyone to know that you have shame so you deny, deny, deny either you um, defend yourself or you run, or you get mad and angry. Those are all ways you would act it out. And so you're really limited because you can't be
0: open and honest with people. You can't be open and honest with yourself, <laughs> right? You have to use all your energy to put up this front and put up this composure um, that you have. And so that's the difference we talk about, living free versus living limited. Being able to, be, to, to say, This is something I've done, or this is something I'm dealing with, or this is something I'm ashamed of, but I'm not going to stay there. I'm actually going to let God in through God-sent relationships to give me freedom because truth will come and say, let me give you another perspective about what happened. Not just the fact of what you did do, but let me explain a little bit about why you did it because you are actually three generations into this sin. This is something you're dealing with that's three generations from ahead of you, or behind you, and you just don't know about it, because everybody else, your mom did the same thing, your grandparents did the same thing, and they all hid it from you, and now it's strong in you, and you don't know why it's bothering you the way it is, and God will give you the truth about it, so you can see more, and then bring the grace that comes alongside of you Mm -hmm. to actually cover you, because it's one thing to cover yourself with, Mm -hmm. um, with fig leaves like, in the, um, in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned, right? What happened? The enemy caused them to sin and they isolated themselves. They were shamed and then they covered themselves with fig leaves. And fig leaves leaves don't last very long. But God brought a true sense of grace through sacrifice uh, that he brought.
1: And it's counter, counterintuitive to think that um, acknowledging the truth about whatever it is would be But it actually is the very thing that will set you free. It's being able to, like I said earlier, um, see it clearly, even if it's bad, messy, whatever it is, being able to say, okay, let me stop myself and let me own what my part was in it. And then that's the very time when God extends grace where you receive freedom instead of just saying, oh, no, I can't talk about it. Let me keep this to myself." Let me cover, let me conceal, let me deal with this on my own. It never goes away. It never goes away until you're able to let it out.
0: And here's the discomfort we often feel (laughs) in church or around god said people is that what truth can do, what truth does is actually brings pressure. And it brings the pressure that something needs to change. That's what truth does. Oh, go ahead. Somebody's got a hand up.
1: Let's take it. Okay. I just wanted to ask, if you have something that you've been dealing with and you're trying to suppress it, but if you t- don't tell it to any other individual and you take it to God, is that freedom
0: you as well? That's a good question. Now, there is a, there is a freedom in confessing to God, but in James, it talks about when you confess, to, confess your faults to one another, that there is a freedom that comes only from confessing it to another person. So not just in the context of, of, of just vertical, but also horizontal. Because a, part of, because a part of your healing comes through sharing your deliverance. It comes through sharing what you've been through and sharing what God has healed you from. So God does not want to keep it a secret, so that's why a lot of our healing that we're going to be teaching is coming through God-sent relationships, someone who can help you process through uh, what whatever that was. Go ahead. Did you want to follow up with that? talking about, right, well, yeah, a God-sent person would be that for you. A God-sent person would be a place of safety and a vessel of of privacy for you, and that's, you know, sometimes what happens is we can't recognize, that's what we're going to be talking about, is recognize who is the God-sent person, because somebody can look like the God-sent person or proclaim to be a church person, but not be a safe, worthy, trust person at all, and sometimes, God will send you people that don't go to church.
1: Right.
0: It doesn't mean he will use them any less. It just means he will send the right people. And so, yeah, so those are, that's great. And I'm glad that you shared that. Because that's what this is about. This is about getting freedom. This is about asking questions and engaging. <laughs> so thank you for that. So let's move to to, to the next part. I want to we want to show you a scripture. Um, watching the time, I want to show you a scripture of a person. Who actually dealt with the shame and had an interaction with Jesus. Because, like I was just saying before, the pressure of truth, it, it tells you something's gotta change. Some you can't live this way, and truth has a way of pressuring you to deal with it. Mm-hmm. So here in um Luke chapter seven, it's a story of this woman. Luke chapter seven. We want to share something? All right. Oh, go ahead.
1: <clears throat> Sorry. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him, so Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him, at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner.
0: So this woman is busting in the room, and she is pouring, she's crying, and she's pouring this expensive, very, very expensive uh, perfume, perfume, we really don't have time to talk about it, but it, it's just it was it was it was almost like a family heirloom. And she pours it out and the man that is hosting Jesus knows who she is. So that's how much of a sinner she is. Like she's got a reputation. People know her by name and by sight. This is pre-Twitter, pre facebook social media. Like they could see her, and be like, oh that's her. That's that's how much of a sinner she was. So deep. She was so. What? When you think about this, of her lifestyle, this immoral woman, right? What did she have to do to survive? I mean, that's that's got to be so much shame. How did how does she survive? What did she have to do in order to maintain herself?
1: In order to maintain her lifestyle. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, I think it ties into. Um, there was obviously shame that she had felt because it ties into what we've already discussed. It's, a, it's the idea that we um, shut something off in order to function even though we know it's not right. Like we We go through something in our mind or in our body that says, I'm going to suppress this, I'm going to deny this even though it makes me feel like this in order to do what I feel like I need to do in order to
0: survive. So. And I've seen a lot of this as a pastor. I've seen a lot of this um, in people who, let's say, have been in church a long time, right? There comes a point when if they don't have freedom from whatever, whatever's secretly eating them alive, you begin to see this regression of checking off what they once were converted about. So they lived a certain way for years. They would never do this. They would never do this, and they were converted about it. I'm talking about people who heard the the messages, got baptized, were in the church, and for years and years. But over time, they just get weak. And I, I've seen people who've been in the church for 20 years, 30 years, and next thing you know, they're just doing stuff that they they've never they've they've never done that before. And they just start unchecking all these things that they were convicted of. And, and it was a process of just finding a way to justify it. Finding a way to, and, and doing something in their mind that just gave them a reason to back out. And over time, you see this regression. You see somebody who grew up watching in the church and like, what what, what happened? It happens to parents who have said, who really struggle when their kids are of a certain age and they say stuff like this well I want to bring my kids to church so that they can have a relationship with Jesus but they're really not wrestling with their own relationship with Jesus so when the kids get grown guess what happens yes. they're they're done and you're like wait a minute we didn't grow up like this we didn't grow up saying this and and, and it's the thing like old people sin too
1: <laughs>
0: like I'm, I'm just I'm just saying like we think man there's some people, it's age that's saving them. They're just too old to do what they wanted to. I'm, can we just be honest? I'm just saying. It, it doesn't mean that they're pure age. It's too old. They just, can't, they just can't do it. They would do it if they had a chance. They're just too old. But that's the question.
1: What has to happen?
0: What clicks off?
1: Uh, Go I on. want to add to you that. I've been reading this... Um, this book called The Battlefield of the Mind by Joyce Myers, And it talks a lot about how you do uh, self-talk and how that turns into how you actually behave. So I wonder what she was going through and what she was telling herself on a regular basis that led her to behave in that manner. And then the fact that everyone knew who she was, I mean they called her a moral woman, she's a sinner, like they're not calling her by her name. Calling her by calling her by what they know she does. Crackhead, <laughs> drunk,
0: thought, right? Mm-hmm. Just calling her out. You yeah. know her name. I, I know what that is. I know what a thought is. Anyway. not Anyway, so here's what. Let's let's bring this back up, honey. Pain thrives when we feel like we don't need anybody. I'm sure she's isolated. Yeah. I'm sure she's like alone. I'm sure. She, I mean, who's gonna sit down and say, "How are you doing?" Right? They're not. They're not asking those questions for her, and pain can just just thrive because either either we don't feel like we deserve anybody, Inactive. or right, we're just an like we don't really deserve anybody, mm-hmm. or we just, I'm good. I can deal with this. But then something happens. Something happened to her. So she comes into this room. The perception is of the immoral woman, but the Bible tells her something else happened. Something has happened before this moment. So here's Jesus. Jesus stands up for her. Now remember, Jesus is full of what? And what? So Jesus Jesus knows this woman. So he could have been like, yep, immoral woman. But look what he says. Look at verse 40, right after that. So Jesus, um, let's see. I'm it up in my, in my Bible too. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher. Simon replied. He has no idea what Jesus is going to do. Then Jesus told this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one who gave whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he looked, turned to the woman, and said to Simon. So he's looking at the woman, and he says to him, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash my, the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins and they are what? Amen. So he's being honest about it. Have, look, she's looking at the woman. He's looking at the woman have been what? Forgiven. So, now, forgiveness, it had been forgiven, not in the moment. This is our response to this moment. Whatever moment Jesus had with her, what she's doing is a response to this. She has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven shows only little love. Now, let's tell you what happened here. Grace caught up with her. You know that 350-pound lineman? Offensive lineman that's running after her. Truth on one side, Grace on the other side. And she's like a good running back. She's ducking, dodging, spinning, moving. And eventually, these defensive linemen, they blitz her. I'm preaching real good right now. I know you're ready to go home, but I'm preaching. <laughs> they, they, they blitz her. And she gets sacked in the 20-yard line. And Jesus takes the all over. So really, Grace caught up on her. And what I love about it, is she understands the depth to what she has been forgiven. She completely gets it. So that's why her response is that way. Her response is to show love Because she gets it. She knows how much she's been forgiven of. She's conscious of the capacity that Jesus has of grace and truth. Let me just jump to this. Her response is worship. I'm going to come back to that. I'm going to come back to that. I'm going to come back to that. Then we're going to finish. See, freedom comes through relationship, Right? God sends people to us. She didn't just get this miraculous freedom from some just, some just randomly. It was an encounter for her in the personhood of Jesus. Jesus caught up with her. And, and, and what she did was she went from shame to worship. She worshiped greatly because she understood grace greatly. And she responded greatly because she understood the, the depth of her sin and the depth of her grace. So if we don't have steel-toed shoes on, put them on now. Because <laughs> I have questions about worship. One could question your worship. If there's little, that maybe you don't understand what you've been forgiven of. If it's great, because you understand the depth of grace and truth. I wonder sometimes if people are limited in their worship and their expression because they're limited in their freedom. Because yeah. you can't praise a god that you're afraid of. You can't lift your hands to a god that you feel guilty about some stuff. Can we just be real about it? So, so you're so people are quiet and they're inhibited and they're and they're still. Not because it's not their worship style, but really they just really can't engage honestly because they're in shame, they're in guilt, and they're, they're limited. They can't be free, especially in an environment with God-sent people in an environment where Jesus is trying to give us grace and truth. Her response was crazy, over the top. She's washing feet with her hair. Anybody gonna do that? No, I can't do that. I just got my hair done, right? She don't care. How much? How much tears does it take to wash feet? (laughs) Like I'm just trying to figure out how much water she was drinking. Like she's washing his feet. And what I love about this story is that perfume that was broken on her, on Jesus' feet, was so powerful and potent. Right? This is not the the, what do they call it? Toilet, the little version you get, you know, at Target. It's not that version. Okay, this is like sixty thousand dollar perfume. That's what this is. And it was so potent, she poured the whole thing out on his feet. And when he says, she anointed me for my death, meant that even days later, while he was on the cross, he could still smell it. Mm. He could still smell the fragrance of her worship while he's bleeding to death. He could smell that fragrance. So she's over the top. Over the top crazy. You know why she's over the top? Because she was an over-the-top sinner. And you don't. If you don't know that, you'll never get free. If you think I'm only this guilt, I'm only this guilty, right, God? I'm just this. Then okay, that's all the grace you need, and that's all you get. You just want, you just want to say, Lord, bless my food. Thank you for waking me up. Is that it? That's all you. That's all the grace you want to breathe. Cool. But I'm like, I got so much grace. I got so much truth. I'm trying to give you. Like I'm trying to show you who you really are. I'm trying to show you the generational curse that I'm trying to break through you. Like I'm trying to show you the book that I want to author through you. I'm trying to show you the business I'm ready to plant through you. I'm trying to show you what I built you for. But as long as you want it, like you said, conceal and resist and block, then it doesn't, eventually I'm catching up to you. Eventually I'm going to chase you down. So I love the shame to I wonder what this church would look like if more people had a moment with Jesus that they experienced the fullness of grace and truth. I, I wonder I wonder what worship would sound like Becky. I wonder if we wouldn't have to ask anybody to lift their hands or clap. I wonder if we had to tell people to stop singing. I wonder if to tell people please sit down. Like we have a sermon to show. I, I wonder what kind of worship would really break out if people were free. No judgment on your worship, but kind of.
1: Kind of too shade, right?
0: Kind of throwing shade on? Yeah. I was pretty good. Okay. Living free. We're going we're gonna to land a plane here. Living, living free. What does that look like? What does it look like? Um,
1: I'm going to kind of tag on what you said. Uh, what we get a habit of doing when we don't acknowledge truth and we don't acknowledge The gift of grace is we devalue what God has to offer for ourselves and it devalues what God has to offer for people he puts in our life so like the people who were calling her out were really devaluing the grace that God provides, they don't provide it, God provides it and so they took away what they thought they owned and I think sometimes we can struggle with that personally Like, we don't own grace. We're devaluing this when we don't want to acknowledge the reality of truth for ourselves and for others.